My name is Peter Bringy, pastor at Covenant Family Church. We gather in the mornings in person in, in Wentzville at 11 o'clock for worship and also have this evening sermon uh, through YouTube live stream and recording. Recently, we finished a series on the Epistle to the Hebrews, uh, and now today I want to uh, begin a series on the Gospel of John uh, here in the, in the evening. We already began the Gospel of John um, the Sunday that was also Christmas. I preached on John 1, 1 through 18, and so I'm going to pick up where I left off uh, from that time uh, at verse 19 uh, tonight. Let's begin with prayer. Our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth. Our Lord God, we thank you for your kindness and mercy. We thank you for giving us your word, which has revealed the work of your Son for our salvation, that you have provided uh, salvation for us in him, and in him all the treasures and riches of wisdom and knowledge and life and joy, we pray that you would uh, bring us closer to him, that you would confirm us in him, that we might abide in him and bear much fruit. We pray that you would bless the reading and preaching of your word this evening. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> I'll go ahead and read, and you can follow along if you have your Bible with you. John 1, uh, 1 uh, verse 19 through verse 34. <clears throat> and this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed, and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, No. So they said to him, Who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him, Then why are you baptizing if you are neither the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know, even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany across the Jordan, where John was baptizing. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who ranks before me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, he on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. 
This is the word of the Lord. This uh, passage is, uh, follows from the prologue that, again, we looked at in December, speaking of the coming of the Son of God, the eternal Word who became flesh for our sake, um, and who has, has made God known, who has uh, come for our salvation to make us children of God. And in the first 18 verses, it had already spoken of John. Now, in the Gospel of John, John the Baptist is just called John because the Apostle John is never mentioned by name, but is referenced to as, as the disciple whom Jesus loved, uh, speaking personally as the, the writer of the Gospel, uh, that Jesus is one who loved him. And so when it says John in this text, it's speaking of John the Baptist, uh, the uh, the cousin of, of Jesus, who was uh, a forerunner before him, as it explains in this text, who had begun baptizing and preaching along the Jordan River. And uh, John the Apostle is recording the testimony, the witness uh, of uh, John the Baptist to Jesus Christ. Um, he is an eyewitness, and he is affirming that he is not making this up. That's probably the ref what he means when John says, I myself did not know him. Well, did not Luke say that John the Baptist recognized Jesus in the womb? Um, weren't they not uh, tied by ties of family? Well, we don't know exactly what happened in the uh, decades between, you know, those early days in the womb and, uh, and, and the births and this occasion. Uh, but the emphasis seems to be here that... Uh, John is not merely saying what he thinks, but that God himself had indicated that this Jesus was the Son of God, is the Son of God, is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And he said this even as he saw Jesus coming toward him. So, of course, he, he did recognize the significance of Jesus. But as the Spirit descended upon him, this was a sign, a sign from God that this was the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit, that this is the Son of God. But before we get to the coming of the Lamb of God, first the text describes who John the Baptist is, or was, and uh, who he was not. So there are some priests and Levites who are sent by uh, the Pharisees to ask John, you know, who are you? What are you doing? Why are you doing this? On what authority? Are you the Christ? And the confession of John the Baptist is, I am not the Christ. Uh, he made that quite certain. He is not the Christ, the, the Messiah, Christ being the Greek word for Messiah, the anointed one that people looked forward to his coming for the salvation of his people. John the Baptist was very important uh, prominent, uh, famous, but he was not the Christ. Well, was he Elijah? Now, we'll know from other parts of Scripture that he did fulfill the prophecy in Malachi regarding uh, the coming of Elijah, but he was not literally Elijah. Elijah had been taken into a chariot, and uh, some had thought perhaps that Elijah himself would come. And of course, Elijah himself did appear with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. Uh, but John the Baptist was not literally Elijah. Uh, he was John the Baptist. 
And then they say, are you the prophet? And here it's not just referring to, are you a prophet? Uh, he, he, he was a, a prophet, but are you the prophet, the, the promised prophet? There was a messianic prophecy back in Deuteronomy 18.15 <clears throat> that a prophet would arise like Moses, a particular prophet, a prophet with a capital P. Uh, but that was not John the Baptist either. He was not the, the one that they were all looking for. Rather, when they really press him, he finally you know, says what he says about himself, and he quotes the prophecy of Isaiah 40, or the, the, the words of the prophet Isaiah. I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord. Uh, this is from Isaiah 40, where Isaiah was told to, you know, comfort, comfort ye my people, uh, to speak peace unto them, uh, and to, to prepare a way for the Lord, uh, to who, who will make the paths level and straight and will, will come to his people. Uh, the Lord here in, in Isaiah's prophecy is, is Jehovah, is the, the Lord God, not just any Lord. And that'll become important in a minute. But John the Baptist is one who is preparing the way, who, as he uh, later says also, is one who would reveal Jesus to Israel. And that's why he is witnessing to you even through the text of Scripture that he is uh, preparing the way still. He is pointing to Jesus Christ as the one who has come and to reveal him. Um, later on in verse 31, John says, For this purpose I came baptizing with water, that he, that is Jesus, that he might be revealed to Israel. And so this this baptism of Jesus by John was the appearance of Jesus publicly, the beginning of his uh, public ministry. Um, it was the the epiphany, as it were, where where he began to appear to uh, the people and began to teach and begin his ministry as uh, the Christ in a public and revealed manner. So who is John the Baptist? He is not the Christ. He is the voice preparing in the wilderness, saying, make straight the way of the Lord. And so he was baptizing the people. John doesn't really focus on the baptizing of other people. We learn from other gospels that they were being baptized uh, for repentance unto the forgiveness of sins. Uh, but the emphasis here is on how John pointed to Jesus Christ. And so the question then is, who is Jesus? He saw Jesus coming toward him. And the first thing he says is, Behold, the Lamb of God, the one who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus is the Lamb of God. Behold him, he has come, he is here. That is what John is saying. This is him. What does it mean for Jesus to be the Lamb of God? The first time that the word lamb appears in Scripture is in Genesis 22. Genesis 22 is where Abraham and his son Isaac are going to the mountain. And Abraham had been told to sacrifice his only son, whom he loved. And as, he, as they go, uh, his son Isaac says, 
Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them, together. And that is, in fact, what happened. As, as he was about to sacrifice his son, God provided uh, a, a lamb or a, a, a male ram with horns long enough at least to get tangled in the bush, but one to be the burnt offering instead of Isaac. And, but this idea that, the, that God will provide for himself the lamb for an offering is uh, significant and, and kind of uh, gets unfolded by other uses of, of sacrifice and the provision of animal sacrifice. And the, the lamb, the lamb of God, the lamb provided by God, the lamb provided by God for God, uh, to in place of, um, to, to, as a representative and substitute for the people, uh, would be fulfilled in, in Christ. Jesus fulfills the sacrificial types and shadows. Um, the lambs were used in, in multiple ways in that sacrificial system, and they pointed to the Lamb of God. The Passover lamb was a significant one, a sacrifice that was offered by the people. In the original Passover in Egypt, the blood spared them from the plague upon the firstborn and would be repeated throughout their history as a remembrance of God's redemption. There was the a Day of Atonement in which goats would be sacrificed, a double uh, meaning here, both fulfilled in Christ, the one who was killed and his blood uh, for atonement and purification uh, for the sins of the people, and the other one, as it were, the sins being laid upon him and sent off into the wilderness, taking away those sins. Jesus Christ would be the one who would die, who would shed his blood for our sins, and who would take them away from us. Isaiah 53 prophesied of Jesus and spoke of him as a lamb, that like a lamb, Jesus would be innocent, um, harmless, uh, in the sense that he would have done no wrong, and that he was ready to be led to the slaughter. Uh, he would not be a ferocious bear or lion that would fight back to avoid this death, but like a sheep led to the slaughter, so he would go for his people. As Peter says, he was a lamb without blemish, as the sacrifices were to be. For Jesus Christ was sinless. Uh, he was a, the perfect lamb, the lamb of God. Isaiah 53 speaks of this servant of the Lord who would be like a lamb as one that the sins of his people would be laid upon him, that the iniquity of us all would be laid upon him, that he would suffer for this sin and would give up his life as a sacrifice for sin. And so that is how Jesus takes away the sin of the world. He takes it away by bearing it. Uh, the word for takes away can also refer to bearing it uh, or to, to carrying it uh, away. He takes it upon himself, and he does so as a lamb. Uh, he takes the sin upon himself, and he suffered for that sin then upon the cross. Uh, he suffered not for his own sins, but for the sins that he takes away and that were laid upon him. He did this once. 
Uh, he, he died for these sins once, and it was a perfect sacrifice. And the effect of that sacrifice lasts for all time, um, for, for us today as well as for generations past. And so he continues to take away sins, take away sins from his people. And uh, the, the power of that death applies to them all. The effect is for all time, applying to the sin that is committed today as well as then. Notice that Jesus takes away the sin of the world. Uh, he doesn't just take away the sins of the Jews. He takes away the sins of the world, the sin of the world. This benefit is given to all who believe in him. John 3.16 will later say that God loved the world in this way, that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes on him shall not perish but have everlasting life. John's gospel will speak in corporate terms of, save, of Jesus saving the world, as well as in individual terms of saving those people whom the Father had given the Son, uh, that we call the elect, uh, and, and speaks in the, both ways, and they're not contradictory. Uh, but Jesus came as the Savior of the world, and he will save it. Uh, not every individual receives this salvation. Uh, there are some in his unsearchable wisdom that he passes by, but he saves sinners, and this is held forth to all, that whoever believes in him receives the benefit of this death, and he will save mankind, the world as a whole. Uh, he has come for his creation who has rebelled against him, and so he bears the sin of the world, the world which has been in rebellion, the world yet that God loves. John will, now not John the Baptist, but John the Apostle who wrote this, he will also write in Revelation of the vision of the Lamb who was slain. It's one of the many comparisons between uh, the Gospel and the Revelation, both written by the same author, uh, that he describes this vision that he saw a Lamb standing who had been slain. And Revelation 5 speaks of how that this Lamb who was slain deserves all glory and honor, and that he had been slain and had redeemed people from every uh, nation, tribe, and language, and tongue. The same emphasis here as the sin of the world, that it's referring to people from every nation, tribe, and tongue that, that he had redeemed by his blood. The blood of the Lamb. A Lamb who had risen and who was therefore on the throne at the right hand of God the Father. And so behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. He is Jesus Christ. Are you without sin? No, John will say in his epistles, if we say without, we are without sin, we are a liar. Uh, no one is without sin. This is a problem for each one of us. Sin is lawlessness, the breaking of God's law. Uh, we don't do what we ought to do. We do what we ought not to do. We, we, we break God's law in both ways, and we sin. Uh, we are at odds with God. And this sin is defiling. It makes us filthy. It's, it's, it is repulsive. Uh, sin is, is, makes us guilty. It deserves judgment, condemnation, and the judgment that follows. But if you confess your sin, 
believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. He will take away your sin, and he will cleanse you by his blood. He will remove your sin far from you. As far as the east is from the west, he will obliterate it by the power of his death so that it will never come back to haunt you. The Lord has provided a lamb for the sacrifice, and that lamb is Jesus Christ. He is the sacrifice for our sins, and he went to it like a lamb led to the slaughter. And he did not turn back. He went willingly because he was doing it out of love for sinners like you and me. So he is the Lamb of God. We also find that he is uh, the Christ, thinking especially of the meaning of the word Christ. Certainly Christ refers to the fact that he's the Lamb of God, but Christ, as in he is the anointed one, the Spirit comes to rest upon him. Uh, uh, publicly, visibly in this sense at this occasion, uh, pointing out to all uh, that this is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit, that this is the one uh, who is our prophet, priest, and king. Now, John had said that he baptizes with water, but later on in this passage, we read that, that Jesus is the one who baptizes with the Spirit. John, like every minister of the gospel, baptizes with water. I I baptize with water. I was baptized with water. Uh, tomorrow will be the 29th uh, anniversary, 29 years ago, that I was baptized with water. That is what we do on the outside. But it, it symbolizes a reality that is fulfilled with by Christ. Christ is the one who baptizes with the Spirit that does what is symbolized in baptism. Uh, the efficacy comes from Christ who sends the Spirit. Um, for the connection of water and the Spirit, this is something that John will speak of later in John 3, verse uh, 5. That we are born of, the, of water and the Spirit. But it's something in the Old Testament as well. John often draws in Revelation and in the Gospel uh, from Ezekiel. And in the promise of the New Covenant, in Ezekiel, uh, there is reference both to water and to the Spirit. <clears throat> there it is said in verse 25, God says, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses, and from all your idols I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. And so he uses the imagery of water, of sprinkling clean, as well as of the spirit which he will put within us and to give life, new lives uh, to his people that they might walk in his ways. Well, this is fulfilled through Jesus Christ. In the case of Jesus, the Spirit came upon him in his baptism as he was baptized with water. So the Spirit came upon him visibly in the form of a dove uh, so that everyone could see, so that John could see and then later testify that this is the one that the Spirit would remain upon him and therefore he would also be the one to baptize others uh, by the Spirit that he would 
wash people clean uh, by the Spirit applying the blood of Christ to them, that he would regenerate people by the Spirit as he applies Christ to them. The baptism of Jesus served to reveal him to Israel as the Christ. And that is what John says is the purpose of his ministry. And the presence of the Spirit with, with Jesus was visibly and publicly indicated by the dove. And indicated that he was the one who baptizes with the Spirit. It also, uh, another prophecy of Isaiah would be uh, that uh, the Spirit would be upon the servant to the Lord. The same one that's prophesied in Isaiah 53 as one who was like a lamb. Uh, there were three offices indicated by anointing in the Old Testament, prophet, priest, and king. Uh, sometimes the, the Spirit also being the one who anointed them or, or with oil that represented that. Jesus is the fulfillment of all three of those offices. We'll find that Jesus talks much more about the Spirit in the rest of this gospel. In chapter 3, about being born of the Spirit. In chapter 7, the Spirit welling up like a river of life. Uh, the Spirit being sent as a comforter that he speaks of in 14 and 15 and 16. Uh, and in chapter 20, where he breathes the Spirit upon them, upon his disciples. And so Jesus sends the Spirit, the Spirit applies Christ in giving life. Before I leave this point about the Spirit and, and the baptism of Jesus, consider a parallel between Jesus and Joshua and Elisha. Joshua, he came to this same Jordan River. Elisha also came to this Jordan River. Jesus came to the Jordan River. Uh, both Joshua and Elisha crossed the Jordan River. They demonstrated thereby that God was with them. And the Spirit in particular, in, in Elisha's case, and really the Spirit's mentioned in both. Uh, in Joshua's case, Moses had been the leader. The Spirit of God was upon him. Um, and in Deuteronomy 34, at the very end of Deuteronomy... It says that, And Joshua the son of Nun was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands on him. But how is the people to know that, that uh, God was with Joshua, just as he had been with Moses, that he was the anointed one, the, the one to uh, bring the people into their inheritance? Well, in chapter 3, verse 7, the Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And this is in the midst of his instructions about crossing the Jordan. That on that day, as they crossed the Jordan, it would be this, the symbol to all the people that God was with Joshua. Well, with Elijah and Elisha. Elisha was with his mentor, Elijah the prophet. They crossed the Jordan River. Elisha asked for a double portion of his spirit. And uh, as Elijah is taken up, Elisha goes to the river and like, his, uh, like Elijah, is able to uh, take his cloak and divide the river with it and pass through. And his disciples, the sons of the prophets, saw this and saw that the spirit was upon Elisha. And, and bowed to him. Uh, this is uh, what we also find then with Jesus, as he actually 
even shares the same name, essentially, Jesus being uh, the Greek form of Joshua. And Elisha uh, is almost the same in meaning. Uh, Joshua means something like Jehovah is salvation. Elisha means God is salvation. Same meaning. Um, Jesus uh, also, same place, same name, but greater than either one of those two. The, The Lamb of God himself that the Spirit comes upon him and remains upon him, and that he will baptize with the Holy Spirit. And so he is anointed for his service. He is designated as the Christ, the Messiah. Finally, the last thing to notice, who is Jesus? The end of this passage, John says, And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. Jesus is the Son of God. Uh, This fact has already been mentioned, or the fact that he is not a mere man, but that he is divine, that he is God, has been mentioned in verse 23, that John the Baptist was preparing the way of the Lord, uh, of God, and the one he was preparing for is Jesus. Jesus is, is Jehovah, is God. John had said that Jesus is much greater than him, And John was a significant person, yet he was unworthy to even untie the sandals of Jesus. John had said that the one who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. And in light of chapter 1, this is referring to the pre-existence of Christ, that before his incarnation, he was the eternal Son of God, the eternal Word by whom all things were made. But then at this, verse 34, that he is the Son of God. This was declared by God at the baptism. This is my beloved son. And it is declared by John as a witness to this fact. It is the son of God who came as the lamb of God. It is God's only begotten son whom he loved, much like Isaac was to Abraham. Yet, uh, in a way that is surpassing that, because we're talking about God, eternal God that God sent his only begotten son to be the lamb of God for sinners who had rejected him, who had rejected the one who had given them everything to die for them. This should give you confidence that his work is perfect, that his work is uh, abundantly uh, uh, effective for you, uh, that he offered a perfect sacrifice and that he is powerful to apply it, to protect you, to bring you to everlasting salvation. That the Lamb of God is the Son of God. But also use it for wonder that that God himself came to be like those lambs that were slain, to give his life as a ransom for many. This indeed was love, the love of the Father who sent his Son, the love of the Son who laid down his life, the love of the Spirit who then empowered him for this this work uh, that worked with him and uh, being sent by him. Not only that the eternal word would become flesh, which was enough of a mystery, as we saw earlier, but that he should become the lamb to bear the sin of the world. What love and mercy that God has shown. How should you and I love him? Uh, How should we therefore also love one another? You and I are not God. Uh, We could not claim the prerogatives that he could claim, and yet he loved us in this way. 
how much more should we love one another? Now, all of these things throughout the Gospel of John, they're written for a purpose that he describes in chapter 20. I won't mention it every sermon, but let me mention it this time. These things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Uh, he gives us life because he takes away our sins as the Lamb of God. He is the Son of God, and he is the Christ. Uh, he is the Savior, and by believing in his name, you may have life. So place your faith in him, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and, uh, and, and reflect upon the love that he has shown by becoming the Lamb of God for us. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Let us pray. Dear God, we thank you for this wonderful love that you have shown, uh, that while we were sinking down under uh, sin and condemnation, that you loved the objects of your wrath so dearly that you sent your beloved Son to be the sacrifice for our sins, that he would bear these sins upon him, he who knew no sin, that we might become righteous in your sight and be brought to you by him. We pray that you would give us a sense of this love that you have shown us, that you would soften our hard hearts, that we might love you more, that you, we would give you our heart and soul, and that we might uh, love one another, even as you have loved us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.